Paul's letter to the Colossians. So he first shows how the truth of this poem transforms his own experience of suffering in prison. He's being punished for announcing to the Greek and the Roman world that Jesus is the resurrected Lord and King of all. And so his suffering, he thinks, is not a sign of defeat. It's actually his way of participating in Jesus' own suffering done as an act of love. And so his hardships are actually a cause for joy. He's imprisoned for the surprising news that Israel's resurrected Messiah is creating a new multi-ethnic family. And more, just as the divine glory dwelt in Jesus, so Jesus dwells in and among his international family. Or as Paul says, the Messiah is in you all, the hope of glory. Paul then addresses the cultural pressures that are tempting the Colossians to turn away from Jesus. They were confronted by a combination of mystical polytheism along with a pressure to observe the laws of the Torah. So all these new Christians, they had grown up worshiping the various Greek and Roman gods who governed different arenas of human life. And many simply included Jesus as one more deity that they could worship. There was also great pressure from the Jewish Christian community for these non-Jews to complete their commitment to the Messiah by following all of the laws found in the Torah. Specifically, he mentions eating a kosher diet, observing sacred days, and circumcision. It's very similar to the problem he addressed in the letter to the Galatians. For Paul, to give in to either of these temptations is compromise. It's a failure to grasp who Jesus really is and what he did on their behalf. The Colossians used to live in fear of spiritual powers and elemental spirits, as Paul calls them. But Jesus triumphed over these through his death and resurrection. He freed the Colossians from any obligation to them. In the same way, Jesus fulfilled on our behalf all of the laws of the Torah, which never had the power to transform the selfish human heart anyway. And so what Jesus did in his life and death and resurrection, it lacks nothing. It doesn't need to be supplemented by following the laws. He is the reality to which all of the laws of the Torah were pointing anyway. Good morning. If you were with us in the first week when we started the series, we played... Uh, approximately that much of that video. It's about a 10-minute video by the Bible Project, and uh, we're breaking it up into quarters, I guess, just giving you a little bits as we go through this series, but obviously you can go to thebibleproject.com anytime you want and uh, check it out. Lots of good resources there. Kind of neat. It's the first Sunday of March. <laughs> I don't know. To me, like, March just sounds so much better. Like, February sounds like we might not make it. And March sounds like, you know, we're going to be okay. We're, 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 we're going to make it to me. Uh, time change next weekend. And uh, yeah, that's, that's good. Mandates drop next weekend. Not until Sunday night, midnight. So you'll still need to, to wear your, your face mask next Sunday. Uh, but that's good. Many of you have asked, you know, what can we do? How can we help in uh, Ukraine? I'm going to put this link up here to show you World Hope Canada. World Hope Canada is a sister organization to the Wesleyan Church. And we, World Hope has been in, in the Ukraine for decades, doing tremendous work and ministry there. We have people on the ground in the Ukraine. We've been there for a long, long, long time doing, doing ministry. Um, and uh, we have people there, pastors, organizations, churches, etc. And whatever you give to World Hope, 
uh, in Ukraine will be used for the people in Ukraine. Just yesterday, I think it was, or Friday, the executive director of World Hope Canada, Tanya Nace, who's been here, you know Tanya, um, she made a Facebook post about the best ways that we can give. And, and when you give through organizations, charitable organizations that are, um, you know, legal and, and properly, um, you know, they're con well connected with other organizations in the, you know, in the Ukraine and things like that. Anyhow, just a tremendous Facebook post about how the, the best ways that we can give, what we can do. So I encourage you to check, check that out. Okay. So around um, 6 o'clock or so last night, I get all set up and open up my, my notes for this morning. I'm going to start studying the message again, the message that I'd been working on throughout the week. And um, God tells me that's not the message I want you to preach. Did I mention this was about 6 o'clock last night? <laughs> and I'd been traveling all day. And I'm like, really? Really, God? Uh, great. So I had planned on finishing chapter 1. We were, gonna, we were going to do verses 21 to 29. We were going to finish the chapter. Um, and there's a phrase in verse 23 of Colossians chapter 1 that had been nagging me all week. And maybe I should have paid more attention to it. because <laughs> Then I wouldn't have had to rewrite a sermon last night. This phrase had been nagging me all week. And, and it was just God telling me, I don't want you to do 21 to 29. I just, we're just, we just need to press in on this phrase. And so I don't know what this means. Um, I encourage you to put on your seatbelts. Um, I encourage us all to, to listen intently to the Holy Spirit. And uh, yeah, so let's do that. Um, so we're just going to read verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. And then here's the, here's the phrase, don't drift away. That's it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Um, could we pray again before we, before we continue? Would you pray with me? Lord, I know that you're here. I just, I just don't know what you're up to. And I pray, Lord, that you would um, help me to get out of your way, um, that you would protect us from ourselves, that your spirit would just have a a tremendous freedom in this place this morning, and um, in that myself included, that, that we, would just, we would just be obedient. Um, we want to leave here this morning in victory. We want to leave here knowing you more. We want to leave here um, knowing that we've, we've stepped on the head of the snake, and um, so God, I, I just pray that you would come and and power that you would um, uh, that, that that you would that you would deliver this message. I ask in Jesus' name, Amen. 
Uh, Pierre was praying with me earlier, and I think he prayed that, that I would breathe fire like a dragon, I think is, is how he prayed. And uh, so I don't know about that, but we'll, uh, we'll proceed. Where Paul says to the Colossians and where God's word says to us, and actually where the Holy Spirit uh, says to each one of us this morning, don't drift away. Don't drift away. Drifting is what happens when you lose power. Right? Drifting is when you disengage and you coast and you get off course. And much of Paul's writing is focused on not drifting. Much of his writing is focused on running the race. (laughs) That's not drifting. Finishing the fight. Um, You know, pressing on towards the goal. Paul is not a drifter. And there's there's a warning here. A caution, like the rumble strip on the side of the highway, right? That, whoa, that, that wakes you up and, and gets you back in the, in the lane where you're supposed to be. Nothing good happens when you drift. Nothing good happens when, when, when I drift. And drifting is subtle. People don't usually, well, I think I'm going to drift today, you know, or I just think I'm going to go into a season of spiritual Drifting, it's usually not that intentional. It's, 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 it's subtle. And, and looking back, you realize, oh, oh, that, you know, maybe that contributed or maybe that's where it started. And you might be able to see the signs looking back. Uh, but in the moment, you're not thinking, I, I think I'll just unplug from God. Like that, that's usually not what, what we're thinking or how it works. Following Jesus is upstream. And you'll never drift closer to Jesus. It's, it's upstream. And, and everything around us, come on, we know this to be true. Everything around us is, is pulling us to, 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 to drift, to disengage, to, to go the other way. Everything around you is work, kind of working against you spiritually, right? Like the pull of, of life and culture and the world that we live in. And it's easy to go you know, with the crowd. It's easy. Drifting is easy. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. That, that doesn't sound like drifting. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Maybe, maybe if Satan can't get you to like royally mess up your life, like if he can't ruin your marriage or get you, you know, whatever, I don't know, just whatever, fill in the blank. If he can't get you to royally mess up your life, maybe he can just get you to drift. Maybe you just, you just lose interest. You're just not as interested in, as you used to be. Things you used to be passionate about and things that used to be of utmost importance to you, just meh, meh, meh. Less joy, less urgency, uh, less desire to 
to be in church. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here on a Sunday morning when it's snowing outside. Um, Less time in prayer, less time in your Bible, less concern for others. Just eh. just not where you used to be or who you, who you used to be. You've, you've, you've drifted. Is it coincidence that when Paul comes off the mountain of a text like we had last Sunday? If you didn't watch last Sunday, I encourage you to go back and watch, not because of me or anything I said, but because of the text and, and where God had us last week. Is it coincidence that when Paul comes off the mountain of a text that we studied last week that he follows that right up with a, with a caution not to drift? Is that coincidence? How can we see an image of Jesus one week that is just so majestic? How can we see that one week and then drift the very next week. It happened, to, it happened to Peter, right? I mean, the week of the crucifixion, and <laughs> you, you were with him, and Peter's like, oh, I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the guy. Like, how can we, how can we come off the mountain with Christ and, and then drift? Um, in the year 1758, most of you weren't alive then, In the year 1758, at the age of 22, okay, a young adult named Robert Robinson wrote these words in the hymn, Come Thou Fount, where he said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. A 22-year-old man in the year 1758, writing about, he recognizes that, man, why do I wander? Why, why, why don't I stay in Christ where I, where I want to be? Why does my heart do this? Paul, the apostle, said, the things I should do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. What, you know, this wrestle between the old me and, and the new me. Um, I'm going to turn back to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read a few verses, and then we're going to, I'm going to tack on a verse from Isaiah. Luke 15, verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to, Je- came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost, the drifter? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the drifter, the one that is lost, until he finds it? When he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. 
In the same way, there's more joy in heaven when one lost sinner who repents and returns, when the drifter comes home, than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And let's tack on Isaiah 53, 6 to that, all of us. All, all in the original Hebrew means all. All, all y'all, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left, left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. If you remember last year, we did a series from Luke 15, and we, uh, we uh, distributed, gave out as many copies of uh, Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal God as we could. If you haven't read it, highly encourage it. Um, quick little book. You can read it in an afternoon. And in, in that book, uh, we learned that in this text, Luke 15, Jesus isn't speaking directly to the sinners and the tax collectors who love to just sit or just love to listen to him teach. He's talking to the religious crowd who are all snotty that, that, that Jesus would associate with sinners. The, the parables are, 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 are to them, to the religious crowd. The sinners and the tax collectors, they know they're sinners. He's speaking to the religious crowd who think they are okay, but like a lost sheep, they've wandered. They've drifted away from the fold, and they are in, they are in need of a shepherd who will go and get them. It's subtle, drifting. It's, it's, a, it's a nibble here and a nibble there. And, and oh, that looks good, right? You hit the pause button, <laughs> tell the Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll be right back. And, and you go and you pursue something that is off course for your life. And before you know it, you are far from where you should be. And like a lost sheep, you are easy prey for the enemy. And I just, I couldn't shake this thought all week, this image of Jesus going after the drifters this morning and bringing them back. And I've, as, as I worked on this last night and as I've been praying and praying again this morning and I've been asking myself, like, Lord, is it me? Is it all of us? I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I just have this image of Jesus going after the drifters. Like the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go after that one and say, come on. Let's get back to where we need to be. Puts the sheep on his shoulders <laughs> and joyfully brings it back. You have that image this morning of Jesus putting you on his shoulders, saying, come on, let's go back to where we need to be. We've talked about guardrails and making good decisions, and that nothing good happens when you, when you drift off course. And you know, gang, you know, we know the things that, 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 that cause us to drift. You know the things that turn down the volume of Jesus in your life. You know the things that mute God. You know the things that kind of just change the channel or whatever. 
You know, you know what those things are. And just choosing less of Christ on a daily basis. And then one day you look up and you don't know where you are spiritually. You're far from where you used to be. You're far from where you want to be. You drifted. Paul urges the Colossian church to, to believe this truth. Continue, he says, continue to believe this truth and, and stand firmly in the truth of Christ. Standing firmly is not drifting. Continuing to believe this, this truth and living in this truth of Christ is a, a daily, hourly, ongoing uh, relationship of listening to God's voice, surrendering the things that, that pull you away from Christ, walking in obedience. If we are really convinced that Jesus is who he says he is, if we are really convinced, Paul says to the Colossian church, continue in this truth. If we are really, really, really convinced that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the truth, then why don't we stand in that? Why don't we stay in that? Why don't we continue in that? Why do we, sorry to the side of the church, it's always the side of the church. Why do we, you know, why do we drift? Why do we get off course from where we're supposed to be? How do, how do sheep get separated from the flock? Someone pulls the wool over their eyes. <laughs> How do sheep get separated from the flock? Appetite. How do I get separated from Christ? Appetite. Things that I think will, I need, or things that will fill me. Think for a moment that they can find something better over there, something that will fill a void. Are we all listening? I want you to hear this, this next part. Be careful not to consume things that will take you away from the shepherd. How do sheep get lost? By consuming things, appetite, that take us away from the shepherd. Drifting happens when you lose power power of God, the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. Drifting happens when you lose power. I, I literally have the Atlantic Ocean in my backyard. I know you feel really bad for me. Um, but like in my backyard is an ocean. And um, the harbor behind my house is actually pointed directly south. And um, if, you, if you were sailing out there and lost power uh, and you drifted, between Ingleshead and Whitehead Island. Uh, Whitehead Island's a fascinating place. We can't talk about it, but 150 people live over there. They've got a one-room schoolhouse for all ages. It's, it's literally a trip back in time. But anyhow, if you drifted, the next time that you hit land would be the most eastern tip of Brazil. I've looked it up. Um, it reminds me of the words of my mother when I was a teenager and I was going out of the house on a Friday night with my friends. And just as I went out the door, she would stop me and say, remember, sin will take you further than you want to go. 
and cost you more than you want to pay. Have fun. <laughs> right? Like if you, if you drift in the Atlantic Ocean, you're going to go further than you want to go. Nothing good happens when we drift. How many times this past year have we been reminded as a church that we have the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit living in us? It's from, a, it's from Paul's words uh, in the book of Romans that we have that same power is living inside of us. Drifting happens when we lose power. When we unplug, when we disconnect, when we say, okay, I know that there's power available, but I'm going to go my own way and do my own thing, and, and we get disconnected from, from that source of power. And Paul says to the Colossians, and Christ says to the, to the cross pointers this morning, Jesus says to the cross pointers this morning, continue in that power, stand firmly in that power, don't disengage, don't put it in, in neutral, don't lose your wonder or your awe in the power of God. I'm not sure if, this, if the sermon is for, again, for, for, for us as a church or for individuals or for me or if Satan can't make us lousy, maybe he can make us lazy. And maybe he can just make us disinterested and, you know, meh, whatever. It's, um, it's a tricky text to interpret because it, Paul's telling us to do things at once, two things at once. It's like walking and chewing gum. He says, continue on, but stand there. It's, it's a little... It's a little tricky. Um, you're moving forward spiritually when you are standing in the truth of God. When, when you stand in the right place, that's, and you stay there where you know you're supposed to be, you stay in the power of Christ, that's when you're moving forward spiritually, standing on God's word, stand on his promises, on Christ the solid rock, I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You stand when it isn't popular. You stand when it isn't easy. You stand when temptation is strong. You stand when you are tired and you are hungry. Nothing good happens when you're tired and hungry. Nothing good, right? You stand when something outside of God's will for your life tries to lure you away by, by the, the old sinful carnal appetites that you're supposed to uh, have died to, that you've surrendered to, you've nailed those things to your cross, but they, every now and then, they say, oh, come on over here. It won't hurt. You stand in God's truth. You stand when your character is tested. You stand when you think that no one is watching and you'll just step away for, from the truth for a few minutes. You stand when life is hard. You stand when all your friends are doing it, but you know it is not right. You stand for the oppressed, the widow, the orphan, the homeless. You stand in the light. You stand in the glory of God's grace. You stand forgiven. You stand set free. You stand when your heart is broken. You stand when your prayer is not yet answered. You stand even when your whole world comes apart. You do not stand alone. You stand in the presence of Jesus who will never leave you or forsake you. That's where you stand. Like the lost sheep of Luke 15, 
and, and the lost coin of Luke 15 and the younger brother who, of Luke 15 who, who drifted away. And then the older brother who stayed home in Luke 15, he stayed home, but he was, he was still far from the father. The good news this morning is that God loves drifters. <laughs> God loves drifters. Like if you're here and you're thinking, oh, it's me, the Lord, you're speaking to me. I have drifted. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Um, God loves the drifters. He's... He, he's, he's inviting you. He's come after you this morning. He, he slapped me in the head around 6 o'clock last night and said, I need you to go out there and talk to the drifters because I've got a word for the drifters I want. I'm coming after them this morning like that one lost sheep. I'm going to put them on my shoulders. I'm going to bring you back to where you need to be. God loves the drifters. He's not mad at you. He, he's not disappointed. He just wants to get you back to where you're supposed to be. You can come home. And like the prodigal father of Luke 15, Jesus watches down the lane, hoping that you'll turn your heart towards home this morning. He's hoping that, that you'll turn your heart and say, okay, this is, I'm coming. I'm coming. And when he sees you coming down the lane, like a, like a father of a long lost child, right? Uh, Luke 15 says he hikes up his robe and he starts running towards you, that Jesus runs towards you and opens up his arms takes you into his arms. My child has come home. Wow. And then he has a barbecue in Luke 15. That's my favorite part, right? That's my favorite part of that. It's like, we should eat something. My child has come home. When we come to the realization, like the, like the, the younger son of Luke 15, that I am far from home, how did I get here? This is not where I want to be. There is plenty in my father's house. Paul gave them that the beautiful image of Jesus um, in Colossians 1. We, we studied it last week. He gives them that beautiful image of Jesus. And then right after that, he follows it up and says, don't drift. Don't drift. You've seen how awesome he is. You've seen his glory, his majesty. But if, gang, if we know who he is, stand in his truth. Continue in his truth. Stay in his, in his truth. Why would we ever leave Christ? Why would we choose eating the pig's leftovers? Standing in the standing up to our knees in sheep. Why would we do that when we could be feasting in the palace with Jesus? Let's pray together. Lord, I'm thinking of a, another old hymn we used to sing that just said, come home. Come home, you who are weary, come home. And it's you, Jesus, you're giving this invitation. It's, it's not me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just the person like Paul who's called to stand here and, and deliver it. 
you are inviting us home. It's, it's, really, it's really beautiful. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, help each one of us in this room and those who are watching online to turn our hearts towards Christ, to realize where we are, uh, if we've drifted, if, we're, if we've allowed our appetites and, and, and the things of this world to, to take us off course and get us away from where we need to be, that we would hear the invitation of Jesus saying, my child, come home. Let me put you on my shoulders. Let me bring you back where you need to be. God, would you, would you help us to respond with hearts of obedience today? Um, Lord, if you're speaking to me, I, I pray that you would bring me back to where I need to be. Lord, if you're speaking to Crosspoint as a whole, if you're calling her back to her first love, if you're calling Crosspoint out of something, and, and then, then I pray, Lord, that, that you would have your way and, and that we would, we would listen and follow you and, and want nothing more than to be standing in the power and the presence of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.